Today's episode of the Body Clock Podcast is brought to you by Dermala. Dermala is a personalized acne treatment kit that fights the cause of acne, not just the symptoms. Acne happens when bad bacteria overpower your good bacteria. Dermala uses the power of your microbiome to strengthen the good bacteria to fight the acne-causing bad bacteria on and in your body. Each kit contains four products formulated to individual needs, an AMPM cleanser, AMPM treatment pads, daily pre- and probiotic mix, and targeted pimple patches for stubborn pimples. The products are made with clean, natural ingredients and a special blend of pre-, pro-, and postbiotics that fight acne from inside out and outside in. The kit is complemented by Dermala Acne Tracker. By tracking the treatment progress with the app, the product formulation is continually optimized based on the treatment results. Take the skin quiz on Dermala.com, get your personalized kit delivered to your door, and start fighting your hashtag FOBO, or your fear of breaking out. That's Dermala.com, D-E-R-M-A-L-A.com. Thanks and hope you enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Body Clock Podcast by O-Waves. Today I'm joined by Claire Skindock, otherwise known as Dr. Alia Yacoub, who is an internal medicine physician. Um, she's also done a fellowship in dermatology at Stanford, and she's affiliated with Stanford as well. And she's quite an innovator, and she's been involved with quite a few different startups in an advisory capacity, as well as being a founder. Um, Ali is someone who's quite active on social media and is quite an inspiration for many people, um, as well as women. So it being International Women's Day, it's a perfect time to have Alia on. Couldn't imagine anyone better to be um, being a good role model um, for women around the world. Um, she's doing so much. She's also a mother and um, she seems to be able to really manage her time very well which is a concept of O-Waves uh, revolving around time. So nice to have you on, Alia. Well, thank you so much, Saheb. Uh, I think today is perfect. Happy International Women's Day to everyone. No, I think the listeners will be really looking forward to what you have to say. Um, so to begin with, um, so you've been involved with so many different things. So would you want to give the listeners um, a bit of an introduction of um, what you do and your journey um, from medicine into this entrepreneurial innovation world. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, so um, I knew that I wanted to be a doctor since I was five years old. My father's a physician as well. I went through the traditional sort of route, medical school, residency, fellowship. And then during my fellowship while I was at Stanford, I was exposed more to the innovation in Silicon Valley, especially in, um, in digital health um, and also diagnostics. And once I saw what, was, what the potential was for change and for innovation around me, I sort of felt like if I didn't make myself a part of that, I would regret it for the rest of my life. So I did some soul searching and instead of staying on in academic medicine or going into private practice, I ended up working for my first startup, um, which was uh, Crossover Health. And I was an on-campus doctor on the Facebook campus for three years where I practice medicine, but I also learned the business side of things, how you build a company, how you scale a company, um, and how you can actually bring change to the healthcare system through, um, through the startup world. So you were quite a big thinker and looking forward um, quite early on, one of the first few doctors to kind of venture into Silicon Valley, it seemed, because now health tech is becoming a very um, a, a buzzword. Um, but you, you were involved with Forward Health as well. And um, being based in San Francisco, I mean, you're in the perfect location um, with the tech environment and the tech boom. Yep. Um, so you, you understand medicine, you understand business, you understand tech. And then um, you're quite big on social media as Clear Skin Doc. How did Clear Skin Doc come about? What was your purpose behind it? Yeah, yeah, that, that's actually a, a great question. Um, I don't think I've told this story very often. Um, so after being at Facebook for a while, 
I ended up leaving uh, to start a company with a couple of other folks from Uber and Google called Forward. It's basically the modern doctor's office powered by AI. Um, there's now Forward clinic locations throughout the US and it is expanding and growing quickly. Um, and so while I was at Forward, I had the idea of designing um, a skincare program for our patients because I noticed that no matter how educated or savvy or stylish or um, well-read a person was, most people didn't know how to take care of their skin, and that's men and women alike. And so we came up with this um, skincare consultation program. We educated people about how to take care of their skin. And then I thought, gosh, well, if this population needs help with their skin, I bet we can educate people online about it too. So my intention actually was to create an Instagram account specifically with like skincare tips and um, basically information for the general public. And really what it morphed into was something quite different as you can see if you visit my page, but it ended up um, kind of being a surprise to me that people were interested about interested in me and my path and um, what I do on a daily basis. And so, um, so I share a lot of that sort of stuff on there. I also share my passion for supporting female entrepreneurs and bringing more women into science, technology, engineering, and medicine, and the arts. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. It's really fun. It's sort of like a hobby for me at this point. Um, but yeah, I enjoy being on Instagram. I enjoy interacting with people from all over the world. And I enjoy sort of like mentoring, I guess, um, from afar. I mean, a lot of people seem to gravitate towards you and your, um, you know, your, your Instagram personality because you seem very genuine and um, you make a lot of content relatable to people. This is what I've heard from um, some girls I know who are doing medicine and um, they really like following you. Um, so how, you seem to have fostered that perfect connection. Someone who's, because uh, let's just be real. You're in UConn, you've, you've, you've been at Stanford, one of the elite universities, you're trained as a physician, you know, working in Silicon Valley. Um, it's a very sort of disconnect world with the general population, but you seem to be able to bridge that gap and, and really uh, give people actionable advice, but even, you know, help give them almost life hacks on how to improve their life. Yeah, um, yeah. Thank you so much. That that actually means a lot. So um, when it comes to my Instagram account, as you can imagine, I'm quite busy with three little kids, um, a bunch of startups that I work with, and just life being so busy with being involved in so many nonprofit causes and whatnot. Instagram is kind of a fun outlet for me. So when I learn something in my personal life or my professional life, I like to just stick it on my Instagram page so other people can learn from it too. And I try for the most part to share things that I think are valuable to other people. Um, because, you know, when I go on Instagram, there's tons of great fashion content. There's tons of great like makeup tips and all of the, the stuff that we see a lot of, but there isn't a lot of content that I feel like I'm learning from. Um, and I think we have a really great chance to change people's perspectives, to widen their horizons, to introduce them to new topics through social media. Um, so that's, that's sort of the lens through which I like to connect with people and share things, um, which is a little different, I think, than how other people do it. Also, I think the unique thing is, you know, I don't, um, I don't make my living off of Instagram. So for me, it's just a creative outlet. And it's really fun. And you know, if there's a week where I need to disconnect and really focus on work or, you know, I'm sick or something, I just don't post, um, which is nice. Uh, but I'm so thankful for all the incredible people that I've connected with on Instagram and through social media. And um, I think it's, you know, a lot of people come to me and they're like, well, I want to start an Instagram page and I don't know what to do. And I don't know what people are going to think of me. But I say if you're one of those people who wants to start something and you want to educate other people or you want to connect with other people, you should totally just do it. I mean, that's very inspiring. And it seems you're inspiring a lot of people, uh, which is interesting because you've worked in kind of the Facebook campus. And then now there's a lot of um, backlash with mental health and social media. Um, but I think people generally enjoy following someone like you who seems to um, encompass compassion and kindness. Um, which may not always be the case nowadays on social media. Um, so do you think social media is a positive? Obviously, um, you're, you're using social media in a very positive way. Or do you think it's dangerous? 
So <clears throat> having been a physician on the Facebook campus, I can say I ha probably have a lot more insight into how social media is developed uh, than, you know, than others. And I will say that a lot of my former patients um, worked on Instagram and I would often ask them like, what are you working on? Or, you know, what are you doing to make Instagram better? And what I would hear over and over again is, hey, we're working on engagement. We really want people to engage with the app more and more and more. And so I think it can be a really dangerous cycle because they're hacking our psychology in a way um, and figuring out how do we get these humans to use this app as much as possible for as long as possible for as many things as possible. And, um, and so that part of it is really dangerous because you can have people who get addicted to social media and they're constantly on their phones, they're constantly scrolling and they're not connecting with humans in the real world, they're not experiencing nature, they're not decompressing, they're really like living this sort of online life. And so that part is what I am most fearful about um, for this next generation and for my kids especially. But I think there is so much good that can come from social media as well. If, as I mentioned, if we share like really quality content with each other, if we're sharing things that we can learn from, um, but it just depends. Like humans all have different incentives for being on social media and for using it. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of the flashier topics and things and pictures are what do well and elicit more of a response and elicit more likes and elicit more comments. And so that's what we see more and more of. So I think yeah. it's kind of a mixed bag, but the thing that worries me the most is just the propensity for people to just waste time, like literally hours and hours and hours on social media. Yeah, it's very easy to get carried away. And I guess if, if you're using it for an outlet of positivity or spreading knowledge, um, it's, there's no other medium like it. I mean, it didn't exist 10 or 15 years ago. We couldn't learn something and, you know, um, disseminate it across society so quickly. Um, but you seem to have a very good balance because you're raising three kids. Um, you're a mother, you're doing, you know, you're a doctor as well, you know, working with a lot of startups, uh, founding startups. And you have a very busy life based in California, which is, you know, a very stimulating environment where there's a lot going on. So with O-Waves, we focus on time and time scarcity being one of the barriers for wellness. Um, and I see you as someone who is trying to balance wellness with being successful and productive at the same time. Um, so is this something, obviously you went through residency, which um, there's a lot of media attention on maybe residency is a makes it difficult for doctors to take care of their own mental health and um, participate in you know lifestyle medicine factors such as nutrition exercise sleep um, how did you manage that and navigate that and how do you do that now how do you make time for being well or self-care yeah I think this is such an important topic because at different stages of your life, you probably need slightly different things. So I remember being a resident where I had no autonomy over my schedule and you literally are surviving. You're doing the best that you can do. And so unfortunately, I think the training environment in medicine is really hard. It's really hard to, you know, do what you think is best for your body at times. But I will say that after medical school, it's been much easier. Um, what I recommend to my patients and what I try to do myself as well is to really set boundaries. So you have to understand, you know, am I a morning person? Am I an evening person? What's my period of productivity during the day? What are sort of the things that help me feel the best? How much sleep do I need? All of those factors really, you know, play into how well you're doing at a given time. And for me, I know that I do much better on eight hours of sleep than I do on seven or six or five or four or less than that. And when I get into four or less hours of sleep, it's so profound that I literally cannot find the words sometimes um, to describe <laughs> what, what I'm trying to say. So after having experienced that, I try to make sure, you know, every day that I try to get at least seven to eight hours of sleep. So that's a really big priority for me. Um, the other thing is I tend to do really well at night, working at night. And so I try to block off like two to three hours at night where I can do emails, work on presentations, which is like quiet time for me. And hence, I've kind of shifted my schedule a little bit recently where I'll wake up a little bit later 
I'll do um, some meditative exercises in the morning. I'll have some like quiet time. I'll spend some time with the kids. I'll drop them off at school. And then I actually don't start my first meeting of the day until 10 a.m., which is when I feel ready to like approach the world and be super productive and um, sort of interact with my team. So I kind of go from like 10 a.m. to 6 p.m on the work side and then I spend time with my family and then I resume work usually about 8.30 or 9 at night and I can go until sort of midnight um, and then I'll for sure go to sleep by midnight. I'll try to get eight hours so I'll wake up around like 7.45 or 8 and then you know have my like alone time in the morning and then spend some time with the kids and start over again. So it's interesting because that's not how I always have structured things and when I had a more intense clinical jobs, there was no flexibility to do that. But when I was at Forward and I was in charge of my own sort of clinic schedule over there, I even had, you know, a later start. I, I, I told, you know, my colleagues, hey, listen, like I do so much better if I start with patients at 930 because it gives me time in the morning to do knock out a bunch of things that I need to do. So luckily they were like super supportive and um, and that's sort of where it started. And now I just realized this is what works for me and it allows me to be like the most productive, best version of myself. So, hey, I, I feel like people should do what works for them. Um, but unfortunately, you don't have that sort of flexibility like in training and sometimes, um, you know, in a rigid, a very rigid job. Well, it's great that you mapped out your day and how max how it maximizes your outputs, because I think that's the most important thing. And that's what with always we've seen how everyone's day does look different you know lebron james to you know um someone who's uh, an olympian um everyone has different nuances to their day um but the important thing is that people make time for like you said meditation and sleep so you have to hit your priorities and it's got you've kind of worked out what works for you and obviously um in the startup world um life can be a bit more unstructured um whereas as a doctor you you kind of given the hours you're working. Um, so how do you make time for socializing or do you, do you participate in any exercise? I know it's probably very difficult because um, you're so busy, you know, raising kids can be such a, um, almost such an unplanned activity because kids wake up at night, you know, they have demands, you have to make time for them. So it almost yeah. kind of throws <laughs> you off <laughs> your routine. Totally, totally. Yeah, that, that's, um, that for sure definitely happens. Um, so I, I do try to make time for exercise. Uh, sometimes it'll be really, really tough and I won't get to do what I really want to do. So I really enjoy fitness classes, but sometimes my schedule doesn't allow for that. So I'll work out at home. Um, there's a really great app actually that I like using. It's called Future. And um, you actually, you have a a personal trainer on there that just works with you, sends you a routine. If you have 15 minutes, they'll send you a 15 minute routine. If you have 30 minutes, they'll send you a 30 minute routine and they'll help address any sort of issues that you're having during that day. So it's very personalized. And so that's been really helpful. They also serve to like motivate you because some days you completely forget, oh, you know, I should be working out. Um, so that's been really helpful. The other thing that's really helpful is I just like try to spend as much time as possible outdoors. So I walk a lot. I go for walking meetings instead of sitting down and having coffee. I'll invite the other person to like, hey, let's like just go for a walk because you end up burning calories, you get that fresh air, you just feel a lot better after those types of meetings. Um, so I try to stay active as much as possible, but you know, getting to the gym or going to a class doesn't happen honestly as often as I would like. You're quite proactive and I think that's, that's what's best incorporating it into your life and what fits um i, I follow you on instagram and um it seems like you're generally eating quite a diverse um healthy diet a lot of fruits and veg um, do you follow a specific diet um there's a lot of different trends these days um or do you generally eat un unprocessed you know um focused on vegetables and fruits and other non-processed foods yeah so being from a south asian background um you know, heart disease runs in my family. So I'm very uh, sort of aware of that. And I think our entire family has sort of shifted to being being more, much more plant-based than I think we were when we were growing up. 
So I try to limit my meat consumption. I really, really limit red meat um, and only eat like red meat once a month or something like that. Try to eat a lot of fish, mostly vegetarian um, food. I think at this point, lots of salads. I mean, you know, we all indulge here and there, but I think what I found that works best for me is intermittent fasting. So I'll kind of do a 16 hour fast. Um, I won't eat uh, until about noon or 1 p.m. Um, every day. And then I'll have two small meals and then I'll, you know, won't eat anything overnight until the next day at 1 p.m. So that kind of works really well for me. I also try to limit carbs as much as possible, but I don't really believe in any of these fad diets. Um, I think the best thing really for most people on a population level is just portion control and eating like a diverse grouping of different types of foods. Um, I think the one thing that we are seeing more and more evidence for is that, you know, higher levels of meat consumption are associated with more inflammatory diseases and more cancer. Um, so, you know, people who are eating a lot of meat, a lot of processed meat are probably not doing the best that they can do for their bodies. But I think there has to be a cultural shift, right? Because at least for us Americans, we like, we like our uh, hamburgers. And, um, and I think Americans are really accustomed to eating meat almost for every meal. So I think that's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next 10 years. But in our family, we're for sure moving like more plant-based and for sure more vegetarian probably is what I'd say. Well, you're, you're living in California. California sometimes is seen as a bit of a, like a tech bubble, a wellness bubble. Um, um, there's a lot of different concepts that exist there, which don't reach the rest of the world um, until probably a year or two later. Um, so as someone, um, who is an embodiment of kind of health and wellness and um, helping people kind of live a more optimized life. Um, how do you see people, how do you f see these trends impacting people who maybe um, are kind of going through mental health issues and they're feeling quite down? Um, do you feel lifestyle is something which can dramatically improve their health and, and their mental well-being more specifically? Oh, for sure. For sure. I think um, working with patients who are, you know, working for tech companies, you see a lot of um, mental health burden and a lot of um, sort of issues in the mental health realm. Um, it's actually interesting. One of the startups that I work with, it's called Modern Health. And what they do is uh, they basically provide um, mental health solutions for employers to offer to their employees. So they've developed a CBT-based online program to help people who aren't quite in need of psychiatric care, but who definitely need some help on the mental health front. Maybe they're feeling some slight anxiety or some slight depression. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, going back to your question, wellness is, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a buzzword. It's kind of a loaded topic, but it's something that we really need to Sort of address and i think um what i've seen observationally is people need to set more boundaries that like at, at the end of the day that's the bottom line it's like we need to turn off our phones and close down our computers at a certain time have some free time to think to sleep to interact with other humans um we can't be on all the time like in silicon valley i see this culture of people constantly attached to their email, to their phones, responding to every message, whether that's on their Apple Watch or on their phone or on their computer. And I think as humans, we really do need that time to disconnect and to use other parts of our brain and our body. Um, and so as both as a physician, but also like as a wellness advocate, that's what I've been advocating for for the last several years. And I think people, you know, are starting to appreciate that as a society, we have a lot of mental health burden and we need to destigmatize that and we need to provide people with tools to help regulate the areas where you know they're suffering in their lives whether that's like being overburdened by work feeling pressure to be like this weekend warrior so i don't know if it's like that in other places in the world but here it's so interesting people will work like an 80 hour work week and then they'll run a marathon on the weekend and they literally have no downtime. Oh, <laughs> they, they, um, yeah. yeah. So, so I think, I think it's really important for people to prioritize downtime and that means a different thing for different people. For some people that's like 
watching TV. For others, it's like going for a walk or, you know, laughing um, with friends or family. But I think we definitely, uh, we definitely need that for sure. I think that really um, hits home with me because um, as someone who's quite into tech, um, you are cognitively loaded all the time. You're checking Slack, WhatsApp, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. There's no end and you're always going to be met with notifications, not to even mention email. Um, but I think I'll take that. Alia's best time hack would be setting boundaries, which, um, which none of our previous guests have mentioned, which is a very good one, actually. Because if you know where the lines are, you're not going to overburden yourself and that will make you less productive than you want it to be. Um, so that's, that's really good. And with always, we're trying to set days so you can kind of plan time for socializing, exercise, nutrition, and, and not stray too much from those boundaries. So I think that's really interesting that you raised that. Um, and with mental health as well, um, I think you've, you've given some real good advice for people that it's different for everyone, what makes them recover. And I think recovery is something which is uh, athletes do it, Olympians do it. Um, I think more and more Silicon Valley chief execs are learning recovery is really important for them to be at their best and you saying that you sleep eight hours is, is brilliant um or try to because um sleep is one of the most important things for memory consolidation and um creative processes someone who's an innovator uh, i mean i guess that's probably one of the reasons why you are so innovative um so going talking about innovation um let's come on to your startup so what are you involved with at the moment that you're happy to talk about yeah yeah so um there's a bunch of stuff that i'm involved with that's still stealth so i won't mention that but Perfect. um it, it's it's been kind of interesting to see my career evolve so i'm still a practicing physician but i am very much um involved in the startup world and i would say that's sort of like my full-time gig at this point so right now um, I'm uh, the medical founder of a startup where we're working on developing a diagnostic um, test to empower women with regard to their sexual health. So I can't talk too much about the details yet. Um, I sure. hopefully will be able to talk about them later this year, but that's something I'm really passionate about. Um, and then the other thing that I'm working on is a diabetes platform um, for type 1 and type 2 diabetics who are insulin dependent and using a CGM. And so we basically help them um, uh, through a, an, a physical um, location, a clinic where we have endocrinologists, but then we also have this very robust app um, and that service is launching um, in about a month here. So I'm really excited about that. That's, um, that's called Steady Health and I think it's gonna change the way that diabetics are cared for um, with smart tools and with um, more insights than I think are available at your typical endocrinologist's office. That's really cool. I'm two very up and coming um, space in the health field. And um, yeah, continuous glucose monitoring is um, becoming quite fashionable in Silicon Valley as well. Getting a lot of healthy people um, seeing their responses to different foods, um, something that I'm quite interested in. So that's, um, you're, you seem to be- Yeah, working. there's a lot of, there's a lot of body hackers here for sure. <laughs> body hackers, I, th I think I should be in California. <laughs> I'm a bit out of place in yeah, London. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm definitely interested in all biohacking, self-quantification and data. Um, so, okay, that's pretty cool to startups. So you're, so you're managing, so you're working as part of these startups and you do a lot of kind of charitable work being a physician as well. Um, you're someone yep. who is quite grateful and gives back to the community as well. And I think for young people, um, it's some, you're a good role model for people to see that you have to also be giving back whilst you're improving yourself and becoming more skilled in various areas. Um, how do you find yeah, time? Totally. For you know, uh, it's funny because uh, a lot of times what I hear from people is, well, hey, listen, like I'm a student or I'm in residency or, you know, I just started a new job and I don't really have time to give back in any way or like I don't have enough money yet. I still have loans. And my argument, um, counter argument to that really is that, you know, I think in order to further yourself and further your community and to be truly grateful um, and to reduce your anxiety, you really do have to be giving back um, at every stage of the way. So whether you're a student or a resident or you're at a new job um, and climbing the ranks, whether or not you have money 
um, or not. You should be giving back and, and, you know, that could be through volunteering, that could be through, you know, one of your talents, you can donate your services to an organization that really needs your help. And it could literally be something that you do like half an hour a week. It doesn't have to be a large time commitment or a large financial burden, but I really, really strongly encourage people to start giving back and make it a habit and not something that they're going to do once they make it, you know, down the line when they're much older. So um, that's sort of my take on it. Uh, I think that being active in your community really, um, really improves your creativity. It improves your gratefulness. You have less time to be anxious. It helps with your mental wellness. So I think there's no downside whatsoever. I think it really helps a lot of people, um, especially emphasizing that it's good for their mental health as well, um, because sometimes we can overlook these activities. Um, and you've made it um, evident that it's possible because if someone as busy as you can make time, then I don't think anyone has an excuse. Um, so moving on to a bit of more skin-related topics, because I'm sure um, listeners, when they see Clear Skin Doc, they are interested in skincare. And skincare, a lot of young people, um, well, skin health is something that they're very um, attracted to and interested in the whole topic, um, learning about it. So um, to start off, what would be your best skin tips for someone on a budget? Wow. So uh, there's a lot of great you know, tips that I can share, but I guess um, for somebody on a budget. So I guess the overarching thing I can say is you don't have to spend a lot of money to have healthy skin. Uh, and there's just some really great products available at the drugstore. Um, and one of those products that is an absolute must, like that you have to, one of the cardinal rules of skincare for both men and women is that you have to use your sunscreen every single day. You have to find an SPF formulation that's at least above 30 that you can wear every single day. And I got my husband started on this probably, I don't know, like seven nice. or eight years ago. And he, can, he cannot live without his SPF now at this point. And I'm slowly converting all of his friends. But I find that um, <laughs> men usually are a little bit more shy to do that. Um, yeah. But, you know, skin cancer risk is really real. And then nowadays, everybody really wants to preserve their good looks um, and doesn't want to experience premature um, photo aging. So for sure, wear your sunscreen and then look for good quality products at the drugstore. I mean, there's lots of reputable brands that make really good products. It's all about having consistency, like a very simple regimen. The other thing that I will say is people really fall for um, beauty brand marketing uh, quite a bit. So a brand might say, hey, this like miracle cream or this miracle serum or this miracle eye cream is going to do X, Y, and Z for you. Don't fall for that. Just keep a very simple routine cleanser, moisturizer with SPF in the morning, and then in the evening, make sure you wash your face. And then there's a bunch of things that you can add in there if you're interested in, you know, antioxidants, um, brightening sort of um, effects. So you can always add a vitamin C serum in the morning before you put on your SPF. At night, you can always use chemical exfoliation with hydroxy acids after you wash your face. You could always add a retinoid. Um, if you want to build up some collagen and prevent wrinkles. So, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do and there's a lot of great science out there, but don't just spend money aimlessly um, listening to like beauty claims, like make sure you follow the science. So I think that would be my biggest advice. I think that's laid down the rules quite well. So with um, retinoid, um, is that something people should be using daily or weekly or it just depends on people's skin types? And what do retinoids do? Yeah, so, so retinoids are really great. They are um, basically a vitamin A derivative. And so when they're applied to the skin, um, it's, it's one of the most well-studied ingredients in skincare. Um, there's tons of evidence going back 30, 40 years suggesting that um, vitamin A derivatives or retinoids actually do um, help, help your skin rebuild collagen. They also help with hyperpigmentation. They also uh, basically help prevent and also treat wrinkles, uh, among a lot of other things, including like evening out skin skin tone and uh, pore size and uh, texture. So overall, they're kind of a miracle ingredient in your skincare. Um, both men and women can use them. My favorite are the prescription versions that you get from your doctor. 
there's also a really cool teledermatology um, website called Yoderm. So if you don't want to see a doctor, you can do a teledermatology um, appointment with a dermatologist on yoderm.com. Um, and it's a lot cheaper to do that than it is maybe to see somebody in person. But, um, you know, there's lots of great non-prescription and prescription options. Um, one prescription option that now went over the counter here, at least in the States, is um, Adapalene. Okay. Adapalene gel, you can you can buy it on Amazon. Um, but retinoids are kind of tricky because you want to make sure that you start low in dose and also very slowly. So it's something you might want to start once a week in the evening, top it with a moisturizer, see how you do, and over time start increasing the frequency of it until you get to, you know, the place where you can use it every day. But that'll take you a long time. That'll take you several months to get to you know, a place where you use it every day because it causes a lot of irritation, it can cause some peeling, uh, and so you just want to take it slow. And then with vitamin C, vitamin C gets a lot of media attention these days as well. I'm, I'm thinking um, everything you see if you walk through a store is infused with some sort of vitamin C, some percentage. Um, it's, it's, it's quite popular at the moment. Yeah, so once again, another sort of buzz ingredient. Um, the reason why vitamin C serums are quite expensive is because it's very hard to stabilize them. When vitamin C gets exposed to air, it oxidizes, and then it doesn't really do what it's supposed to do on your skin, which is brighten your skin and remove any um, sort of pigmentation that you're experiencing. So my recommendation for those is um, to go with a more reputable brand. And just because something has vitamin C in it doesn't mean that it's going to achieve those goals for you because it really has to be in its most stable form. And up until now, there haven't been very many um, sort of brands that have made sort of a, a stable vitamin C. I guess the most loved brand is um, for vitamin C serum is SkinCeuticals, but it's very expensive. I recently heard about another um, interesting brand out of MIT called May Love. It's M-A-E and then Love. Okay. And that's uh, at a $30 price point, but you have to do your research on vitamin C serums. Um, there's, so for the most part, I tend to stick to medical grade um, uh, brands when it comes to vitamin C serums. And that's the one place where I personally will splurge on my skincare. But for everything else, you can use drugstore products for the most part. And do you use mechanical exfoliators? You see all these adverts now popping up on Instagram, um, people um, using these revolving devices on their skin. Yeah, I think so. There, There is a place for that. You have to be really careful because mechanical exfoliation can do some damage if you have a very delicate skin type. Um, so for the most part, I actually don't recommend that a lot and I don't use it on myself. I prefer chemical exfoliation, which primarily consists of alpha and beta hydroxy acids. Um, and that can come in lots of different forms. It can come in a cleanser form, a cream, a serum, a lotion. Um, you can use like, there's a couple of brands that have pads where you can apply sort of the exfoliant and it kind of sloughs off your dead skin cells to reveal the fresher underlayers. Um, without doing the mechanical scrubbing and exfoliating. So that would be my preference. And there's a lot of really good options out there for that. Well, this has been a skin masterclass for me. I did do a placement in cosmetic dermatology. Um, I was more interested in the tech really, um, because coming on to beauty tech. Um, so I saw, I, this is not uh, really tech, but um, before we move on to beauty tech, I seen you in your stories wearing this, this visor, you know, almost like you're, you're some oh. sort of, <laughs> it's pretty cool i mean i would use it because you know it's, the sun causes so much skin aging and skin and sun damage is one of the main factors of aging right there was a study which showed i think if sun exposure was completely reduced the difference in aging was orders of magnitude less on your skin yeah so yeah what, no, that, what is that's that for sure what is that, that product that, that, that Oh, okay. Um, I think it's uh, a product by Bluestone Sunshield. You can also get it on Amazon. It's basically like, an, it's funny, I spent the summer um, in Asia and it was so common over there. All of the women in China had these big visors on covering their faces and they were wearing gloves to protect themselves from okay. the sun. But um, I, I don't wear that every day, but when you go on a road trip or something, I'll wear it um, just to protect myself from, from 
the sun while I'm sitting in the car for a long, long period of time. But everybody gets a kick out of it, and I think it's so funny. Um, but I'm serious about, you know, the sun protection. I think it's, it's um, our culture is changing a little bit, which is great. I think people are more prone to wearing um, sunscreen when they're, you know, regardless of the weather, whether it's sunny or whether it's overcast, we should be wearing sunscreen probably all the time. And people are now wearing more sun protective clothing and um, and gloves sometimes when they're driving. And, you know, at the very least, wear your sunscreen and sunglasses and you can wear a hat and that can protect you from the sun as well. But if you want to go a little bit fancier, you can get one of those sun visors that I often wear. Um, People might just look at you a little crazy though, because I do get some funny stares. But um, but I think in the end, it's worth it personally for me. You from, for whatever protects you from aging, and I I wouldn't expect anything less from Clear Skin Doc on Instagram because you have to be <laughs> the top skin advice. Um, which is interesting because you talked about um, UV damage. Um, so beauty tech. So being interested in tech. So I've been following a few companies actually because um, one of I was at a hackathon and one of my ideas from a medical school project was um, probably shouldn't be mentioning on the podcast, but I think L'Oreal has nearly acquired a company that's doing similar. So what the, Hey, um, basically you take a selfie um, through machine learning. When you get a large enough data set, it kind of figures out, you know, different patterns of acne and as well as signs of aging and then gives you personalized product recommendations similar to Amazon because at the moment you have so someone like yourself who's got a fellowship in dermatology is very highly qualified um to give advice but unfortunately on instagram and social media the people who are being listened to are mostly um these um beauty bloggers for lack of a better term and they don't have any formal training in skin um but that's what most people go off i mean if you ask someone on the street um what they say a young person they'll be like okay we'll google it or we'll watch a youtube video by a skin blogger so it was a way of you know democratizing skincare um, because if you get the best advice out there people can act on that so it was it was kind of a app so we pitched it at pwc um, um we ended up doing quite well in that competition but um it was more of a that is that is super awesome that that <laughs> yeah. sounds incredible and I, I think that's the future of beauty is yeah. using AI and machine learning to help people try on makeup and to help people try products, you know, that might be suitable for their skin um, using the technology that we have right now. People are just doing trial and error. They'll hear mm. something like you said from a, a blogger and spend lots of money on it only to find out that it's not what works for them. So um, I'm, I'm uh, happy to hear that you worked on something <laughs> like that. That's cool. Yeah. It was more of a concept idea because I felt there was a kind of a gap, an obvious gap in the market where, um, people aren't really that informed on skin. Um, but interesting, following, following the space, beauty tech at um, CES in Las Vegas recently, um, there was a few companies that showcased. Um, there was a device which you put on, um, you place on your skin, and it's basically tracking your UV exposure over time, so giving you a risk. Oh, then, interesting. Yeah, that's um, quite interesting. Then there's the Neutrogena skin scanner. Um, which you attach onto your phone and it gives you a bit of an insight for hydration etc um, and then recently what um, so a similar idea to what i said i was linking it more to mental health as well but this is generally uh, modi face it's been acquired by l'oreal um, quite recently and they're accelerating pretty quickly with you take a selfie um, you know the algorithm works out what signs of aging you have and then recommends a product and i think there's a few exclusive dermatologists in I'm going to say New York, but probably in California as well, who've been given access to another L'Oreal um, device where you're making personalized skin products um, based on someone's genetics as well, um, as well as. Oh, that's really cool. So do you think tech will take over the beauty industry and the skin, skin dermato dermatology industry as well? I think for sure. So just to break it down, the skincare and beauty industry is a multi-billion dollar uh, industry. It's not going away. People will spend more money on um, their skincare and their makeup and beauty services um, than they will on tons of other things that they should be spending money on in their lives. Um, and I think that this is an area that is ripe for um, for using machine learning and AI and, and ripe for the new technology that's being developed. I think uh, you know a lot of the sales are going to happen online. 
Um, and so for people to be able to try things out, it, it's going to be, I, I think for sure that's the direction in which this whole industry is going. And I think, um, uh, you know, there's going to be both technology and science that really revolutionize the way that we experience how we buy these types of products and, and how we get these services. So for sure, I, I don't think there's any way around that. Yeah, it could be quite disruptive and give more access and democratize um, skincare for people and stop people, like you, like you said, trial and error. You end up wasting a lot of money um, when, you, when you can know what one or two things are going to work for you based on data. Um, so from that, so obviously you're very knowledgeable about skin um, as well as tech and that's kind of a perfect fusion. And then um, what other trends and what, is there, are there any trends in wellness that you see coming that might, um, you think is, is good for young people to be aware of or any emerging trends in skincare or generally any tips for people uh, on how to take care of their mental health just because O-Waves is generally focusing on keeping students' uh, yeah. mental health in check. I, I think I'll maybe spend this time to focus on mental health just because I think yeah. um, it's the place where we can make the biggest difference in our personal lives uh, and, and how we experience the world and enable us to live our best lives and be the happiest that we can possibly be. Um, and so some tips for that is, like I said earlier, make sure that you set boundaries, um, whether that's with social media or with work or with friends um, and let people and let people know sort of how, uh, you know, that basically that you need to turn off at times, that you need to disconnect, whether that's from your inbox or like I said, from social media, or sometimes even from people, you know, um, in your personal life. So don't be afraid to set boundaries. Uh, don't be afraid to disconnect. Spend more time out in nature. Um, you need to have, I, I personally believe you need to have time alone in order to have, um, you know, sort of like a planning session every once in a while to understand what, what are your priorities? How are you doing uh, in terms of, you know, the things that you're working on right now and those priorities in relation to those priorities? Um, how do you remove the things from your life that really aren't making you happy, that are not fulfilling your purpose? And you also need to do some planning for, you know, the next year, the next five years. So you have to have that quiet time alone where you're disconnected to be able to think about that kind of stuff. And I feel like personally, I do that, you know, about once a month, I'll take like two hours, I'll drive out to the beach, I'll sit there, I'll take my notebook and I'll figure out, you know, how do I want to spend the next month, the next six months, the next year, the next five years? Am I on the right track? Am I being true to myself? Am I doing the things that make me fulfilled and happy? Um, and so I think, you know, to really be on the right track, you have to constantly evaluate how you're doing and you have to give yourself an assessment. And in order to do that, you have to really disconnect. So I guess those would be like my personal pieces of advice. That really resonates with me. And that's some really incredible advice, um, especially that you mentioned planning. Um, and that's what O-Waves is basically around. And someone um, such as myself, who's, who's practicing as a doctor and you know, part of this clinical entrepreneur fellowship, as well as delving in digital health um, and AI, um, definitely planning is what gets me through. Um, and it's, it's great to hear from someone who's been successful in all these fields and is still um, emphasizing the importance of planning. So um, final question would be, um, what motivates you? What what motivates me? Oh gosh, that's a that's a really loaded question, and not one that I thought about in a while. Um, because you know, to be honest, there are uh, there are times when I don't feel motivated. Um, and what's interesting is during those times when I don't feel motivated, that's when I feel like I need to disconnect the most. And so I'll you know be MIA from Instagram. I will you know, not hang out with my friends maybe for like a day or two. And I'll, that's when I'll do my planning. I'll, I'll go for a walk. I'll take my notebook. I'll think about like, why am I not feeling motivated? And usually what I realize is that I, I'm not motivated in that moment because I haven't taken the time to recharge. So um, for me, uh, motivation comes from creativity. Like I get really excited when I have creative ideas, um, when I feel like I have a clear sense of purpose and how to 
you know, enact that purpose, that's when I feel the most motivated. And then when I'm not feeling motivated, it's because I just have killed my creativity by being connected to too many things at the same time. And in a sense, kind of being overwhelmed and overstimulated. So that can happen too. So, um, you know, staying motivated for me is really about making sure that there's balance. Like I need to have time to think and plan and, um, and, and sort of relax as well. That's, I think that's something which is very important for everyone and especially um, people like yourself who are so busy. And it's something which has been constant throughout um, mapping the days of successful people that they do make time to recharge. And obviously you're a very motivated person um, to be doing all what you're doing um, and carrying on. Um, and it's a good inspiration for our listeners and people listening. Um, so where can they follow you and keep this motivation going and how can they see some of the inspiring things you're doing as well as um sharing a lot of life hacks with people um what yeah 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 so um i am not as active on twitter as i used to be but i'm very active on instagram so if you're on instagram you can follow me at clear skin doc that's d-o-c um and i'm very active on there i post lots of life hacks um as Sohei mentioned and lots of content that i find valuable in my personal life and i try to just pass that along to other people um so yeah find me on instagram um my email address is on there if there's any way that i can be helpful um or if you're in the startup world and need a medical advisor i do that a lot as well so feel free to reach out to me there you can also find me on linkedin as well um but i'm not really active on facebook or twitter so it's mainly just instagram um yeah i think that's where i've been following you and it seems like a lot to offer for a lot of people and it's been incredible having you as a guest on this podcast and i'm looking forward to the episode going live as well as mapping your o and mapping your day which we'll be publishing um so thanks for coming on the o waves podcast um and i look forward to catching you sometime in san francisco or silicon valley yeah, thank you so much, Saheb. I really appreciate it. And um, kudos to you for doing all that you're doing with Always. Sounds no, very incredible. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Body Clock Podcast by Always. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five star rating on your podcast app. Please also remember to download the free Always app on the Apple App Store. Please tell your friends and your family. It's a great tool to help you optimize your life and to effectively plan your day. Thanks as always for listening and uh, hope you join us again next time. <laughs>